Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian, the captain, and Mark. We're going to start with the biggest story out there right now, one of the most important stories. It's about a cookie stand <laughs> that has been taken down by the government thugs. This is this is like the next step beyond. We've done repeated shows, repeated topics on Free Talk Live over I don't even know how many years mm-hmm. about like many years. Oh, so and so, you know, had their kids start like a lemonade stand. Yes, and they did great until somebody decided to call the cops. Now, right, and yeah. then the cops show up and they're like. Sorry, little Bobby and Cindy. I don't know their names. But like, sorry, little Bobby and Cindy. You can't actually sell lemonade unless you've paid the toll. I mean, purchased a license (laughs) from the government. (laughs) It's got to take it's got to take a pair of brass ones. To go and tell some seven-year-olds. Yes. No, yeah. no. It's got to take a lack of empathy. Right. Right. A lack of any kind of, like, human nicety at all to come up to somebody's kids, whether they're five or 14, yep. and be like, anywhere in between, and be like, sorry, kids, you didn't pay the government their fee, so therefore, we have guns and we're shutting you down. That doesn't take balls at all. That takes... Uh, simple obedience, total thuggery. Uh, yeah, total... thuggery. It takes a, a lack of any sort of. Uh, I think you hit it. Empathy. Yeah, you, empathy. You just cannot empathize. Uh, and but that's not actually what we're talking about here. Although I do want to point out that, as I understand it, in New Hampshire, children running lemonade stands is legal. Uh, so well, New Hampshire, the state, yeah, has legislated some things that mm-hmm. says, hey. If you're going to do, you know, these sort of, you're going to have a garage sale, you're going to have a lemonade stand, right? They have something in place called, I think, I I don't remember the exact term, I think it's referred to as like homesteading business, Hmm. right? So, Is this newer? It is very new. It's in the last uh, five years or so. But it's like uh, like people who sell eggs, right? You can't hardly drive down any highway in New Hampshire and not see fresh eggs. Stop in yeah. here, four bucks a dozen or whatever it is, right? They, you know, some and it's usually even, on the honor system. So some just people sitting yeah, out there, they have the honor system where it's like, here's a cooler full of dozens of eggs in right. packages. Please leave us some money in this tin can, basically, and take your eggs and go home, uh, just like that. I and, mean, it's. It's, I don't know why you'd buy eggs in a store uh, when well, you can do it that way. They call honest. it a high trust society. Right. Yeah. And so so these things exist. And so at some point, the state of New Hampshire said, hey, we're going to outline these things. All right. We're going to call these, I think they're called homesteading mm-hmm. business laws or something along those lines. And so here is this uh, household that decided that they were going to make cookies. Mm-hmm. Right, because who doesn't love a cookie? Right? I love me some chocolate cookies. chip, a little oatmeal raisin, you know, a little peanut butter. Whatever. It's right up there with ice cream as like a favorite dessert, <laughs> right? <for yeah>. Sure, <laughs> mix them together. Yeah. <laughs> and so they had like a little kind of the same thing we've been talking about the yep. honor stand, right? Where yeah. like you come in, you could like you know I don't remember how much it was, but you put your dollars into a can and you take your dozen cookies and you go the hell home and you enjoy right. them and life is good. Well, apparently, while the state of New Hampshire has said this is cool, the city of Keene has said, hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. Uh, You are in the state of New Hampshire, however, comma, you are also in the city of Keene, and the city of Keene recognizes that this is bad. Mm, This needs to be controlled. That that we need to send men with guns over to the place where you are putting your cookies out for display and sale, and you need to stop that because you don't have the appropriate licensure. Right. right. That's what's actually happening here. Because you don't know how to make cookies (laughs) safely. (laughs) Only our inspectors can make sure that your cookies are safe. Now, I would also point out that the vast majority of these people were also, that, that are making the cookies, 
educated in the government school system. So mm-hmm. if they don't know how to make cookies safely, it's the government's fault in the first place. Well, they know how to make cookies safely. They do. And in fact... <laughs> but the government doesn't believe they and do. And in fact, as the story will reveal, I think Ian's got the story. I do, yeah. As the story will reveal, they went out of their way to research the New Hampshire you know, homestead, home business laws. Beach Street neighbors Rebecca Carey and Joan Hurley had been developing the idea of having a baked goods and dessert cart in front of their home since last summer. And they made it a reality this August when Carey discovered a wheeled cart stand for sale on Facebook Marketplace. That materialized into the punny named Baked on Beach, with, uh, which both women had been running jointly for the past month. Uh, and a half at 220 Roxbury Street, which is right in the, you know, pretty much the heart of downtown. Oh, that's very close, yeah. Until a keen food inspector visited their business. Now, Carrie said they're eyeing other options like the Keene and Winchester farmers markets to sell their goods. I do have to wonder, are there, what are the requirements to sell at the farmers market? Do you need to go and get a government permission slip to do that? Probably not, because it's... They've already gotten the permission slip for the farmer's market. I have hmm. some experience selling things at, mm, not not in New Hampshire, but at, we'll call them flea markets uh, on uh, Indian reservation. Were you selling food items? I was not. Okay. However, I did not need to get any sort of business license at all, nor did anyone else. I suspect being on an Indian as reservation As long helps. as you paid the mm, the purveyor, the lot owner, mm-hmm. in this case the Indian reservation, the casino, whatever it was. Uh, there were several of them that I attended. But I specifically said uh, the, the, three, uh, the two biggest uh, holders of these types of selling, we'll call them bazaars, B-A-Z-A-A-B-A-Z-Z-A, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to spell bazaar either. The, the <laughs> two biggest holders of these types of markets were uh, the Native Indian reservations where, well, the rules are different, mm-hmm. and churches. Right. So, you know, the such and such Seventh-day Adventist church or whatever would be like, Hey, we're having a selling bazaar. We understand you sell some stuff. Yep. Hey, come on, pay our fee, and you can come sell whatever. Yep. And we've taken care of all of the stuff. We've bribed the senators. Well, mm. I don't know what they've yeah. done, right? Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying that the, as a church, yeah. they've done whatever they need to do as a nonprofit organization to tell the man to like, hey, just let us have some people here selling stuff. And those were the most comfortable places that I would go and sell stuff. Were I there would, people selling food there, though? There were okay many people selling food. Now that's the big question here because we're not just talking. You mentioned before this was off the air. But there's a flower stand, or was, apparently. Near here, now. on my way to the studio, almost every day. Yeah, maybe that's the, the cart that they bought. Maybe that's where that thing went. I don't know. But there's a flower stand that's in front of somebody's house yeah. uh, in this neighborhood. And, and it's been, it's there, been there for years. I mean, longer than I can remember. At least four years, and that's how long I've been in town. And you're saying it's been there longer. And while some people might consider eating flowers, generally it's not considered a food item. <laughs> right. So they, I think that's why they've been left alone this whole time. This is specifically a food item, and so the ostensible reason we'll get they they interview the bureaucrats here, of course, in this story. Yeah. So we'll get to their their rationale for this mm. is you know protection. We got to make sure we're inspecting your kitchen and things like that, right? Uh, and so that makes me wonder, like, why would the farmers market be a workaround there? Because the same claim of we need to protect people would still apply to someone selling food at the farmer's market. I would imagine that like a (laughs) flea market on an Indian reservation or a flea market on a church property uh, would have the benefit of, you know, us against them. Mm -hmm. There's just more people who are participating in the thing than there are bureaucrats who would oppose the thing, right? But the farmer's market's on city property, quote-unquote public land. That changes things a little bit, yeah. So you're doing that thing again, that something like 10% of the population is always trying to do the other 90%. Apply logic Mm -hmm. to emotional thinking. Yeah. So, well, I'm trying to apply it to the bureaucracy. Yeah, which I understand. Doesn't always work. The bureaucracy tries to uses emotional thinking to get what it wants done. That's why the bureaucracy yeah. lost ground in this recent uh, law that's passed, and the the city's just not used to it yet. 
Well, this it still would suck if all they could do is do the farmer's market, which is like twice a week. I don't even know if it's twice a week during the wintertime. I don't know. I think it goes inside or something like that. I'm not sure what happens to what it. What about the, the people who just want to walk on Beat Street and buy some cookies? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I mean, it's too. only yeah. twice a week at most, only during certain hours. Sure. And the nice thing about having the cart out in front of their house is they don't have to stand there all day long doing, you know, transactions with people. They can just leave the cookies out, leave the box out where people put their money and come back out at the end of the day and collect. They put up a camera. Yes, they did. Yeah. Right. Because it's, sort of, criminals. An, it's sort of an honor system. Mm-hmm. And they put up a camera. To but sort it is of, a city. There's some crackheads around. Yeah. They, they, heroin they, addicts. They try to deter, you know, somebody taking cookies without paying. Right. And they, in fact, recorded such an event mm-hmm. where somebody came up, browsed through the cookies, and took some and left. They posted the Low. video online. Did they identify him? I, I don't didn't know. Say I didn't say that. I, don't I, didn't, I didn't get yeah. through that much of the article. But, like, that's the smart play, right? That's what you want to do. You want to put a camera up. Shame that person. You want to shame that person, right? This is how a voluntary society, without coercion, without... You know, the fear of uh, an overriding uh, institution of violence would go about figuring out, hey, look, we got footage. Here's a picture of the bastard that took some cookies. You know, do you know this guy? Right. If so, shame him. You know, we would appreciate some sort of restitution. You know, I see this frequently, actually, on things like. I don't know, Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace and things of that nature where like, hey, here's a video of so-and-so. If you know this guy, like, Mm -hmm. look, we're not going to press any charges. We just appreciate you paying for the thing that you took. Sure. Right. And sometimes it happens. Sometimes either the person or somebody known to the person comes forward and makes the payment Mm. for the thing Mm -hmm. the person took. Now, whether it's the person or somebody they knew or some friends of theirs or some other for formation of this is this is justice in a voluntary society this is how things are supposed to work between people agreeing to transact voluntarily yep and and it is uh probably more likely that stuff like that's going to happen in a populated area i mean this is the this quote-unquote city of keen it's not really a city but there's still 20,000 people here, and so... Oh, make no mistake, the city of Keene is a uh, shining, brilliant oasis for about 30 miles in any direction. Sure, but there's more people here who are homeless, you know, than you're going to get out in the middle of nowhere where, you sure. know, people are just selling eggs on the side was, of the road or I whatever. I was uh, flabbergasted, actually, when I showed up in Keene in 2019. Mm-hmm. To just sort of walk through the downtown area and be approached as I was in Seattle <laughs> on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Right. By homeless and people. You, you got a dollar. I'm trying to like get some bus fare. Yeah. Right. Or whatever. Like I'm trying to get my next fix, like, which is what That's I heard. That's where it's really. Right. Yeah. Right. They always had some of it, but all I heard was like, I'm trying to get my next heroin. Right. And I was surprised that in a city of. 20,000 roughly ish 23 25 whatever it is depends if the college kids are here right yeah that like like here were people that knew that i wasn't from here really you think that's what it was i mean i look like me i stand out in a crowd period right so like they were like here's a dude i've never seen before i'm gonna panhandle this bastard right i mean there's one guy who will panhandle you no matter who you are where you are okay sure fine but like He's I hit was me just multiple times leaving Seattle, where like people are panhandling you everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Coming to Keene, New Hampshire, I figured, oh, small town, college town, right? Quaint New England, you know, sort There'd of be less place. Of that. I'm like, there would be none. I expected mm-hmm. none. No, it was here. It yep. was ten percent of what I saw in the sure. Seattle area. You know, it was they're not like, living usually on the streets here. Like openly, I I don't know. No, that. they'll still panhandle you. How yeah, would you yeah. know but, if they're living on the streets? That's yeah. the thing. Is, is well, that, usually there's like a tent or some sort of evidence the, of it. A lot of them have houses. I mean, oh, I know maybe, where one of them maybe. lived really uh, for a long time. I mean, it wasn't the it wasn't nice accommodations, yeah, yeah, but sure. it was it was a place he rented. I mean, it's not like he's telling you I'm homeless. He's just asking you for money, right? Right. And so he hasn't told you a lie. Right. Um, I kind of expected zero 
mm. of this. I expected wherever to there not, are resources for I the homeless, there will be homeless. Not to like you know off the highway, get on the keen exit, and you know see a guy with the cardboard sign will work for food. Yeah, they're there a lot, but they're yeah. frequently there. Yep. You know, and like I expected zero of that coming from the big city of Seattle, where that is a common occurrence. Right, I expected. Oh, a quaint New England town, a college town. It's that's where they filmed Jumanji, right? You know, I had all this like picturesque, sure. you know, sort of town in my head, and like, no, no, no. There's there's homeless here. There's poor people here. There's destitute yeah, sure. people here. There's drug addicts here. There's you know, we got all those problems. It's true, and there's a government here, unfortunately, and that makes it even worse. Which is the worst part of it yeah. all. Two ladies, one of them um, is Carrie and uh, the other one, Joan Hurley. Rebecca Carey and Joan Hurley. Carrie is a full-time dietitian. She's been in the foods, uh, food field for her whole life. And she uh, and her neighbor, Ms. Hurley, said she also enjoyed baking as a hobby. And sure had, to feed you poison. And had a career based in uh, the restaurant industry. Going to put some Mr. Clean in those cookies. So when Carrie shared her Facebook find, which is the cart, she got this cart from which they sold the cookies. Yeah. Hurley wanted a piece of the pie, too. She said, I had my own baking situation where I was making decorated sugar cookies for people's birthdays and mm. weddings. Then this opportunity came on where I could make undecorated cookies, chocolate chip cookies, and all the fun homestyle stuff we like to make. The two came up with the concept in part because they found themselves running into situations where they had baked goods in excess in their personal lives. So too many cookies hanging around. Okay, first of all, Apparently I just want to say that they don't know enough people. If they can't get rid of freshly baked cookies in their personal lives. This if they is a make big problem. too many cookies right. to get give away i mean that they decide to sell them at the roadside they probably need to get to know a few more people because well even though i'm dieting and you know yeah, to, like you know like free cookies is hard to pass homemade up. cookies yeah i i don't i i don't know do they actually have calories if they're homemade? <laughs> or you know something along those lines Anyway, they say they couldn't give away all the cookies they made to friends and family. They got to have seven, eight ovens in their house. Yeah, they themselves oh. look like they had a few, so like you know, they didn't have enough room. Uh, Ms. Hurley said, you "I like think you could use an extra cookie." I think the first thing I ever cooked as a kid was a chocolate chip cookie. So I've been waiting for a stand to open up for me to provide cookies for a long time. This and, is a dream. This and is like, let's let's just ask this question: How many cookie stands do you see? Zero. Like, have you ever seen one? Have you no. ever seen? How about a store shop? How about a, that's like cookies? Yeah, you know. Yes, like there uh, actually uh, is a, a store there, in downtown Keene. There's called one Keen on cookies. Right, there's yeah. one. Right, and that's in this town. So, how many in like a big city, like a Boston or a Seattle or I something have no like idea. that? There's probably three. Right? Okay, I'm just guessing, right? But like, you don't see if you add coffee to shops. it, there's a lot. Okay, <laughs> but like, if you add weed to it, there's a lot too, right? <laughs> which which hasn't happened either, despite the supposed legalization in many states across the U.S. of marijuana. There has yet to be a marijuana coffee shop that mirrors that of the tried and true Amsterdam business model. I hear they're going to be having them out in California soon, maybe. There's some sort of proposal. I have not heard that, mm-hmm. but like Came out this week. it would surprise me if that actually happened. If it does happen, it will be with a whole bunch of licensing and yeah. regulation yeah, associated know. with it. The duo set up their cart on August 5th for its first day and ran as an honor system where people could leave cash or use mobile payment. And really? choose from a daily rotating dessert and pastry selection of items yeah, like, like carrot cake. Can you imagine buying cookies at like your neighborhood, you know, m- you know, mom, you know, middle-aged mom front yard with like crypto? Well, that yes, would be relatively like simple with a, with a QR code. If you're yeah. willing to put your cookies out yep. without collecting money and just sort of putting a tin can out, the... Uh, crypto equivalent to a tin can is a QR code yeah. where somebody sends money. Well, and they in. have QR codes for things like Cash App and Venmo and that sure. kind of thing. So you could put up a variety of these things. Right. You could be like Bitcoin and Monero and Dash and like Cash App and Venmo and yeah, or sure. here's a can if you have actual USD, just drop. You know, the honor system can work in many ways. 
it's likely that you could make one QR code for almost everything too, because if well, if you use something like AnyPay, you could at least cover your cryptocurrencies with one yeah, QR maybe. code. I don't know if that would work though with AnyPay because they got rid of their system for that. There was a there was a way that they had that working, but it, it it's been shut down. Oh. Okay. Um, AnyPay still exists, but the thing you're describing, I don't think exists anymore. Oops. Bitcoin is computer code, right? Well, yeah. that's what I think, but the federal government seems to think it's money. I, I mean, like, or fact, a security. Factually speaking. Yes, correct. Right. Uh, cryptocurrency of all varieties, types. Uh, it's is, free speech. Is uh, uh, software. Yes. All right. So, therefore, it is code. It's yep. made up of code. That's fact. how it exists. All right. So, instead of all of these alphabet agencies, the FBI, the ATF, the yep. postal, whatever, shouldn't code enforcement be the one coming after you it's <laughs> funny different kind of code this is the uh, kind of code that is completely arbitrary and made by lawyers instead of the code right that... these are not even laws so there's laws what, what are the other words statutes, statutes ordinances ordinances and code. codes right yes uh, this is actually a point that Eric Voorhees was making the other that day. That guy's awesome, by the he way. He is awesome. Former Free Talk Live uh, amplifier from from way back. Before he was crypto, Eric Voorhees, he was one of our listeners and, and supporters uh, many years ago. But now he's like a superstar, basically, in the cryptocurrency world. He's the founder, uh, former CEO of Shapeshift, Kiki. which has uh, decentralized, by the way, into a decentralized autonomous organization, the only corporation... Or the first one, at least. Maybe there's been others since then. But the first corporation to decentralize itself. Yeah. To eliminate its board of directors, to eliminate its corporate you know, offices, to completely eliminate all the trappings of corporationism. As a longtime listener to Free Talk Live, as well as a host of Free Talk Live, I was both enthused by Eric Voorhees mm-hmm. and his... Uh, appearances here on the show, as well as uh, Shapeshift, uh, his creation. And then at some point, Shapeshift acquired KeepKey, yep. which was the hardware wallet, uh, the number two competitor to, uh, what's the other one? Do they still uh, have it? KeepKey still exists, yeah. Is it still part of Shapeshift it now is. that they're decentralized? Yes. Huh. Like, you can connect your KeepKey. I wonder how that works. Sh- I, I'm not sure. How do you have a decentralized hardware manufacturer? Um, I don't know that the hardware manufacturer is decentralized, but uh-huh. you can connect your hardware wallet to the decentralized network to hmm. conduct your business or whatever. So yeah. my point is that I went through all of this in real time. Like instead of buying the Trezor, I bought the Keep Key because I was in Washington State and I knew that the Keep Key headquarters was you know, an hour's drive away from me. Okay. So if anything ever went you could totally just go awry, I could just go and be like, dudes, let me <laughs> and knock on the door until somebody came, you know, whatever. Where's my Bitcoin? Right. Uh, and so that's why I went with the Keep Key over the Trezor. Okay. At some point, uh, Keep Key was acquired by Shapeshift, Eric Voorhees' company. Mm-hmm. They decided to buy this company so that they had a hardware component to attach to their software component. And then like a whole bunch of laws started kicking in and like you couldn't get to shapeshift.io from a Washington state mm, IP yeah. address. Because right? Washington's one of the worst states for crypto. Totally. Right? And you would go there and it'd be like, sorry, your state sucks. I, mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Right. But like that's Basically, the, yeah. the message that was on your screen. Also so, New York. New York. The same thing. There were a few other states as well. But like I'm me. I figured out, you know, oh, VPNs exist. And sure. I figured out ways to get around it. But at some point, I attempted to get my money off of my keep key, my 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 coins, my crypto, and uh, it was like, oh, sorry, you need to KYC for a yeah. for a, a shapeshift account, and I'm like, Voorhees, what the hell? Like in my head, yeah, like sure. I'm cussing him out, you know, in my head because I know. He's the guy who founded the thing, and like he took yeah. it off. You know, I've always, it always feels like a dirty, dirty trick. And there was this period when they of time. demand the KYC to get the money that you gave them right. out. Mm-hmm. Like if okay, if you wanted KYC, you should have KYC'd me On the when I in. sent the money before I sent the money in, because right. yeah. then I wouldn't have done it. Right. So now you KYC me on the way out. 
You're a trickster. That's exactly my point of view and where I was coming from in this particular instance was I was trying to get some of my money off of the keep key and all of the prompts were like, you need to sign up for an account and you need to provide us with your ID and, yeah. you know, all the KYC stuff. And so in my mind, I'm like, freeze, right? You know, I'm yeah. cussing them out. Uh, I sent some messages to their support team and I'm like, in a nutshell, I'm like, look, you didn't require any of this on the way in. You need to provide your people a way out, you know, because they didn't need it on the way in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the long and the short of it. There were many things that happened in between. But the point is, is that they made a method available huh. for anybody who put their money on to a keep key prior yeah. to the acquisition and the KYC requirements to be able to get their money off, which wow. I took full advantage of. And thank you, Mr. Voorhees, for okay. making that available. Because like only time I've ever heard that happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like. But I went through this in real time. The baking partners were considering the idea of building a website and listing ingredients for their creations in their last few weeks of operation with a QR code uh, that would be on the items wrapping. So they're looking to improve, looking to you know expand. Uh, she says that way you can see what's in every recipe rather than it being an additional waste of more product more ink and paper, then we'd have to raise the prices on the items for something simple like that. But on Wednesday, a city inspector, whom Carrie and Hurley, the two moms, also consider a friend, well, I'm going to tell you, ladies, this is not your friend, okay? They're not doing something that a friend would do. Uh, This person, the city inspector, who is unnamed, visited the site and, quote, asked them to end the sales. Which of course is not what asked, happened, right? Yeah, the government all the sorry, the media always they didn't intimidate this. in any way. Yeah, they no, didn't no. like re- they didn't uh, you know force their. No, way they in. weren't told they would be punished if they continued. No, of course not. It was just a nice ask to stop the sales. Like if that were true, wouldn't the uh, supposed neighbors who complained, mm-hmm. who maybe went over to him and were like, "Hey, um." Would you mind not selling things in your yard? But we know they didn't do that. We know they didn't. Uh, so Carrie, the uh, one of the moms, says, I didn't even think to check with the city. She noted she was observing state laws on having a food-based cottage uh-huh. industry business, which you cited earlier, Captain, mm-hmm. and had used resources from the Hannah Grimes Center for Entrepreneurship on how to get started. So she thought she was well within the law. She also- worked with an in- in- NGO um, mm-hmm. to uh, to get things started, right? Uh, I think that's what Hannah Grimes is, yeah. So she also had a five-year serve-safe, food-safe certification uh, that she received when she took a course. What does that even mean? Serve-safe is a private, thank you for asking, it's a private certification that you might see if you're at a like a Panera or some you know, is restaurant. Is it like the free market version of like UL listing? Kind of, okay. yeah, except for food for food service. Right. Okay, uh, If you look like in the back of the food place where you like you to get your food, it. you might see a plaque up about Surf Safe certification. It's fairly okay. common uh, within the restaurant industry. It's completely voluntary from what I understand, and it goes to show, and they have their employees take a Surf Safe test so they know, you know, that you're supposed to wash your hands after handling the meat, and, you know, there's a certain procedure for what you're supposed to do sure. and in what order, and they, they test that stuff. You get certified. And she's been certified for five years when she was the manager of the Head Start program at a keen nonprofit in town. So near as we can tell, according to the information in this article, both of these bakers knew how to bake, knew how to do yeah. it uh safely, cleanly, without contaminating anybody or poisoning anybody, et cetera, and so on, right? But they didn't have the permission slip. They didn't pay money to the state? Though the sand uh, stand seemed to enjoy appreciation from community members, the moms were told that the city had received complaints, which Keene Community Development Director Jace, uh, Jesse Rounds confirmed by phone on Friday. Carrie said one complaint questioned whether any of the items for sale should be refrigerated, which she disputes by saying none of them required refrigeration. She also noted a... Oh, the lady with the serve safe uh, certification mm-hmm. said that none of them needed, uh, needed uh, refrigeration, but the person just simply asked a question. The answer to your question, concerned citizen, is no. Right. Click. Like, like do you go to the cookie aisle in the grocery store... And find refrigerated cookies. No. Do you even go to the bakery aisle 
in your local so. grocery store and find refrigerated cookies. Yeah, the only no, time just I sound seen... like busybodies who work for the city, just sitting in the, uh, yeah. the uh, having their little coffee break, thinking, "Ah, you Kravitz's." She also noted a wine cooler that she and Hurley <gasps> added as a safeguard to help chill items so ingredients wouldn't melt. Another, she said, referenced the lack of ingredients shown on the items. So another complaint uh, was complaining about. No ingredients. Now, again, this is something that you would want to take to the business owner, okay? Oh, I noticed your cookies. I'm interested in buying them, but I'd like to know what's in them before I buy them. That is what a a decent person would go and do. Now, also, too, it could be that, oh, I don't know, somebody just starting out in selling something, Mm -hmm. right, is first concerned about making the product, Sure. Secondly, let's put the product out somewhere where people can buy it, right? Now, once that goes well, then we can think about, hey, let's put some ingredients on the thing. Absolutely. Maybe let's start a website. Maybe let's have a brand. Maybe we're talking about all of those things, but they never got to it. Hey, Daily Digestion listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy, so I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. 86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. New Hampshire is what they call a, uh, it is not a home rule state, so I don't know, if, uh, it's a non-home rule state, whatever yep. the opposite of home rule not is. Not a home rule state, uh, that sounds fine. State Central, rule. State rule, yeah. And what that means is that cities or towns are not supposedly authorized to make their own ordinances up out of that thin override. air. yeah. Uh, they have to be specifically authorized by the state. So yeah. there, there is some sort of authorizing law, the way, supposedly. Mm-hmm. They don't always do this. But supposedly there's some authorizing law at the state level or statute that says that cities and towns are allowed to have health code regulations. Cities and towns are allowed to have zoning regulations. Cities and towns are allowed to, you know, you fill in the blank. There's different things that authorize this. Okay. Some towns do. Some towns don't. Some cities do. Probably all the cities do. Sometimes, right? uh, sometimes, if you put out an item that needs refrigeration, it'll be fine. Whereas in other towns, it's a danger to the public <laughs> health. Well, and then there's like disputes about stuff like that. Like, uh, uh, I think in England, like eggs just sit outside. Mexico. Mexico. There's but no like, refrigeration for eggs there. But in the U.S., eggs are refrigerated. Well, um, it has to do with the washing of the eggs. Yeah, it has to do with the washing of the eggs. That's true. Also, so what if you get a poopy egg, you can leave it unrefrigerated, basically. Yep. But if you wash the poop off, it's got to be refrigerated. It's not the poop; it's uh, other stuff that comes from the uh, vent of the chicken. But uh, yeah, I mean that'll help it keep longer. But essentially, eggs will keep outside of the refrigerator for a period of time. They'll just keep longer in the refrigerator. So I would recommend refrigerating your eggs. However, they don't even do it at Walmart in well, Mexico. And then there's, it's just, they're nope, just sitting so out like, there. I grew up in Wisconsin, and you can go to any bar in Wisconsin, not outside of Wisconsin, maybe in Minnesota, perhaps, maybe in Illinois, perhaps, but outside of those three states, you can't find this. You can go to any bar in Wisconsin and be like, hey, you got some pickled eggs? Yep. And they will mm. have this big-ass jar of hard-boiled pickled eggs that are good forever, literally. They were hard-boiled and then dropped into this pickling solution, mm-hmm. and they just sit on the bar back waiting for some hungry, drunk bastard to be like, well, I need a snack. <laughs> <laughs> and then they feed you this, this pickled, hard-boiled egg, which, of course, gives you Who the it farts and the craps. In the morning, right? Oh you know, and, and if you eat more than one, you poor bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but they exist, and they are delicious at the mm. time when you are most snacky, right? Mm. But my point is, is who that, fishes it out? Uh, they have tongs. Okay, there's just it's like a big. Giant I've seen the jars, pickle jar. Yep. There's a pair of tongs. Do they drop they, it in a 
glass or just it's right in your hand? Like, or? It's usually like either a, a napkin or like a Dixie okay. cup. Oh, okay. okay. Right? And they just, you know, here you it. go, sir, you go, right? Kind of a thing. So mm-hmm. there's no, like it follows all the no food touchy rules and all yeah, that sure. kind of stuff, right? Supposedly. Um, but like my point is, is that there are ways of preserving eggs outside of sure. refrigeration. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the other issue, according to the city here, he says, oh, he says this is more of his quote, right? So he was saying, look, we just need to go into their kitchen. We got to make sure their process is safe. And that's an annual inspection because nothing could go wrong in a year's time, right? Like they couldn't get dirty or anything in the kitchen or hire somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. I don't doing. know about you, but I can dirty up my kitchen in about 30 minutes. Right. Yeah, an uh, annual inspection seems uh, inadequate. It, it seems like a a perfunctory thing in order to charge a fee. That's what it is. Um, yeah. And, I mean, like, you can see whether or not they have the right equipment, but you can't see how they care for that equipment. No, you can't. You, they could... They could sp- Wash it once a year just before you come. There could be rats running all over the place. You have no idea. Their home. Yeah. Right? Rats running around their home as though they have no incentive to keep those out. I don't doubt, he says, they were doing everything they needed to do. It's just we want to inspect the places that provide food to the public. The other issue, he He doesn't mention the fees. No, he doesn't. Uh, although he does say cl- he claims that they're affordable. The other issue is that they were selling food from well, a good, residential- Well, he can pay them. Uh, they uh, they were selling food from a residential property, which he said is in violation of the city's home occupation rules. So what's the point of getting them to come in and look at my kitchen if you're not going to let me sell them from here anyway? No, they won't. Round said that's just commercial versus residential property trying to level the playing field with businesses that go through the process of getting a brick-and-mortar location right. and getting a commercial kitchen. So See, to, to those people who believe that the United States of America is a capitalist country you're wrong it's a fascist country because all of the ability for anybody to sell anything to anybody else is predicated on getting permission from Mm -hmm. an organization of violence first well and you're not going to get the permission unless you have what he describes here a commercial kitchen what does that mean you need to have a vent hood which is like two hundred thousand dollars or whatever certified you gotta have right you gotta have uh you know fire suppression devices that are a certain level right there's all kinds of requirements and we're talking about a three hundred thousand dollar five hundred thousand dollar bill if you aren't you know if you need to renovate or something like that if you, you yep. know, have some property that doesn't already have those things. And, of course, if you're going to go into a place that does have those things, you're talking about four or five grand a month in rent that you're going to be paying in yeah. a place like Keene. If you're right? just a person that all of your family and friends is like, damn, Mark, you're, you're a really good cook, man. Like that thing you make every year or you know, twice, whatever it is, that is delicious. Holy crap. I bet you you could sell that and make a profit. And you go, yeah, Captain. I bet you I could, too. Now, but to go ahead and do that, however, requires you to do the dance of the monkey. Libertarians are infamous for trying to figure out a way to, like, game the system, you know, so that the system can't affect them in a particular way, right? But, you know, it's sort of... uh, uh, in, I don't know, in, it's not in ignorance. It's in, um, like, they do it because the system exists. Whereas if the system itself just got the hell out of the way, they wouldn't have to do sure. any of this hoop jumping and form filling and, like, go to a diff- make the cookies in this town, but sell them in this town. Like, none of that should exist. The people should just be able to make cookies in their home oven at home and sell them on their front lawn. What a Period. radical statement. I know I'm an extremist. Now, they do say here, Captain, that an instance like bake sales or a children's lemonade stand are exempt from these restrictions. So if these ladies put their kids' names on it? Oh, no, 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 no. Because they're only up for a day or for a short term, as are people selling produce and products like farm fresh eggs because those aren't prepared foods. But in the case of these two women's cookie stand, the bureaucrat said that it looks like it was an indefinite operation. Weren't they only operating for a couple of months? 
according to the article? Yeah. They were, but they didn't seem like they were temporarily there, according to the bureaucrat. Didn't think they were going to shut down in winter, <laughs> for example. <laughs> he said, while there's no threshold for the number of complaints the department receives before it looks into a food concern. So it could have been zero. It also <laughs> doesn't actively seek out instances of noncompliance, instead relying on the complaints to inform their staff. But he said officials encouraged... Even if that's the complaints come from their staff. He said the officials encouraged the ladies to contact the city's community development office, which I think they've renamed the code enforcement department to that, to find a solution on how to keep their stand going in another licensed format. That may cost them an additional expense, but Round said licensing fees are, quote, pretty minimal, and that the city isn't profiting from them, solely the hell using they're them not. for administrative costs of inspection. He says... Oh, this is the mom now. She says, we would love to continue this if we can in some form, highlighting the interest in giving proceeds to community nonprofits. She says, we're not doing this as a business model. We're not trying to make money off of this. The two neighborhood moms say they understand the situation and want to keep their idea of baking together going. Quote, this isn't going to stop us from baking things. It's just that we need to find a place or a way to do it. Right. Because weren't they only trying to sell their excess? Like they made That's what they said, so yeah. many cookies in a year that they, you know, made gifts for everybody and gave them away or whatever, and they had some left over. And they were like, oh, it's just that was selling. the way it started. And maybe she's downplaying the idea that this was turning into a business. I mean, they were coming Either up way. with packaging and ingredients and well, a, a lot website. of people, especially a lot of people in Keene, New Hampshire, probably think that making money is wrong. It's despicable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, making money, that's what people do at jobs. <laughs> yeah, I think you make a good point there. So she is essentially trying to play to the keen audience, I think, by saying these things. Yeah. But the the most disappointing, of course, line here, I want to restate it. It's not going to stop us from baking things. It's just we need to find a place or a way to do it right. And that is the mistake to suggest yeah. that the way of doing things right is by obeying the government. And that is the way to do things obediently. Right. But there's nothing right about doing what these bureaucrats say. They are committing a wrong against you. They are violating your right to free expression and to free entrepreneurial spirit to teach your kids how to make and sell uh, cookies or whatever. They have violated you at a fundamental level and they have wronged you obeying when they came, them is wrong when they came for the trade unionists mm-hmm. i did not stand up because i was not a trade unionist yeah. when they came for the home-baked cookie makers i did not stand up because i was not a home-baked cookie maker mark you say this does not happen in morazon city which is a uh, what it's a, a special autonomous zone a in s- honduras says yeah, it's called Special a ZA. Oh, ZA, sorry. Yeah, but uh, it's called that's a like ZA. That's the Spanish They're, version, right? ZA? Yeah, that's a, they call it an Educational and Economic Development Zone. Okay. Um, zone A, Economica, Developa, mm-hmm. Educational, or something like that. I don't know. You know? Okay. Um, I I try to get my paperwork uh, translated. Thanks. So Mar- Morazan is, uh, from what you've described to us previously, you've spent some time there. Well, let me tell you the story about Rosa. So, okay. Um, when they were building the buildings there, there's currently 64 homes. This is a in, gated community. It's a gated community. Uh-huh. Um, I believe it's on 60 something acres in. And when, but when you hear, ga- I know you get to the story, but I want to set the scene a little bit. Uh, when you hear the term gated community, you think upper crust, Lexuses. It is the upper crust uh, for this area, but really? there are no uh, Lexi. Lexi, Lexi, you think some rich, rich people here, you know, they got boats, they got cars, there, no boats. there's, uh, d- you know, four car, 10 car garages. I mean, what are we talking about? No boat, what does no this life, look no like? motor car, not a single luxury. <laughs> what does this gated community actually look like? It's uh, small apartments um, attached to each other, wall sharing apartments like villas. Togetherments. Mm-hmm. They're eight in a row, attached butt to butt, so 16 in a block. Okay. And then there's, what, four of those blocks. And, uh, you know, families live in there. Some of them have cars. Some of them don't. Mm-hmm. And there's a gate that goes around it. Is there, like, a parking garage? or No parking garage. Just open-air parking? At this point, parking is, uh, is not been accounted for and you just kind of there's a just park wherever there's a well there's a particular area where you park it's just sort of a dirt let's cover the basics they got a kitchen each uh yeah each unit has a kitchen got a bathroom Uh uh-huh two bath two bed 
It's a two bedroom, one bath. One bath. Okay. And Keep it simple. I'd say the worst thing about the bathroom is is that the shower is a is a rod that goes around and a curtain that. Uh, so I mean, there's a a lip that's call it three inches uh, high on uh-huh. the ground, um, sort of tiled in, yep. and that lip kind of keeps the water from running out into the sure. rest of the bathroom. Okay. And then you keep the shower curtain within that lip, and everything goes well. Yeah. Slips out of that lip, you got some water on the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't slip the lip. So bathroom. Uh, kitchen, bedrooms, air conditioning, uh, roof over your head, air yep. conditioning, split system air. Uh, yep, a place for and, uh, does you, one split system air condition the whole place? Yes. Is it okay. per unit air conditioner per unit? You can have two. Okay, two. Okay, okay, but but it's not air conditioner per complex, right? And you have to right. pay for the air conditioner separately, just like you have to buy your own uh, refrigerator. Okay. Power bill, separate. Pa- everybody got a separate yep. power bill. Okay. Internet, yeah, uh, solar. Uh, yes. Solar. Yep. Quite high speed cable quality gig. What are we talking? I'm not going to call it U.S. quality. I have uh, had experiences with Alex, who lives there full time, and sometimes it gets a little jittery. But all in all, still pretty good. So I Comcast mean, quality. Yeah, I would call it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd call it the 99 percent, not the 99.9 percent. Okay, okay. All right. And uh, let me tell you the story of Rosa. So they're building these buildings, Rosa. Uh, comes in and she starts selling what they call a pulperia. A pulperia is basically just an impromptu convenience store. It's got Coke. It's got chips. It's got those kind of this things. This is out of her house? Nope. She's no. She's underneath a tree. Okay. okay. In Morazan. She's coming inside the gate. She's, uh, you know. Does she have a house there? Nope. Not uh, she. Well, it, this story gets a little. Okay. I'm telling you the in the past. In the mm-hmm. past, she did not. She just came. There was construction workers. And after a couple of days. Word got to Massimo, the uh, the guy who's founded all this, the wealthy man who sort of set all this up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he said, and he found out there's a woman selling unauthorized <gasps> potato chips. The horror <laughs> to these workers. He's not getting his cut. Mm. He says straight away, charge her some small fee and get her a license so that no one gives her any problems. Hmm. So I think that they charged her a dollar. For okay. a business I thought you license. said that uh, that didn't happen in Morazan. They wanted to make sure that nobody came in and stopped her from doing it, so she had a piece of paper to wag at them. When you say nobody, you mean people from outside of Morazan who would have come in? Who knows? This is, I mean, like people do all kinds of things. Uh-huh. She would. She has a piece of paper to show anybody mm-hmm. who asks any kind of question. And Could she not have manufactured said piece of paper on her own volition? I suspect. It would have wouldn't have been a problem. Look, he he didn't want the money. Yeah. He wants her to have authorization, hmm. and that way. And then, by the way, she moved in later and she ran a business out of her home. Uh, called the Is it closed? Yep. Oh, okay. Didn't work out. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, the communists got into power there, and it mm-hmm. it made the whole pol- the whole uh, Zeta thing not very clear and mm. so there was a period of time when morazan was kind of a ghost town Oof. Mm. okay and i do have no an customers. article on that no customers yeah there weren't as no many business. people living there right um but they solved that problem and now all the units are full and there's a hundred person waiting uh, whoa list really now hold on is the whole thing built what do you mean by whole thing well well you said it was 16 uh per times four right. 64 64 yeah, right, and yeah. So that's what's sold out, all 64? They're all built? They're the all... current existing 64 units are sold, sold out. Sold out. Wow. They, are building an, they will start the building of uh, 64 more units okay. at the by the end of the year. Are those going to go on top of the existing units, no. or are they going No, that's out? not how these, and that's not the, the theory. You can go to morazon.city mm-hmm. and look at the city plan. I mean, there's an exhaustive 300-page uh, document there, and mm-hmm. you can find out how they intend to build everything. But everything's all laid out. And then after that, they'll build the Quateria. The Quateria is this uh, more or less studio apartment complex. So it's a smaller unit mm-hmm. for single individuals, basically. Okay. Um, this is, these, these units are for families uh, that Got I was it. referring to. And the Quateria will be single-person units for even less you got to remember what the rent is at Morrison. $120 a $120 month. a month. Now, For that doesn't cover bed, everything. 
Mm-hmm. That's one hundred and twenty dollars rent. So these are not condominiums in that you own the unit. These are apartments in which you pay a monthly fee. Mm-hmm. For the I may not to have live. to read this article if you keep on asking such good questions, Captain. That's the whole concept behind Morazan is that it's the work of Spencer, Spencer Heath and Spencer McCollum, these entrepreneurial communities. You can go to, I think it's called Entrepreneurial Communities, the book by Calvin Duke. I've advertised it here on, on my night, on Friday nights here mm-hmm. on Free Talk Live. And you can go and you can read this book, The Concept. But I will give you the broad strokes of what the concept is. Mm-hmm. You can't have a libertarian community where people own their stuff, own their home. That, in fact, it's a pretty bold statement, right? Like where people own their property, you can't have a libertarian community. Because a libertarian community... Uh, that I don't know that I agree with that, but I'll assume that's true for the sake of argument. You, uh, well, assume that it's a bold statement, because <laughs> that's all I've asked you to, to uh, assume at this okay. point. That, And I certainly didn't want to accept this immediately, but the premise is that homeownership will always lead to democracy, because a homeowner wants to have say as to what goes on in their community. How long has the current units been sold out for? A year? A couple of months, a few months. Okay, so it's we're in the infancy. Yes. Because my follow-up question, and probably the answer is, is, is there entrepreneurship developing within the community itself? Yeah, that's what I was trying to get across. We currently have two pulperias, which is convenience store run out of a... Um, you know, a unit. They've mm-hmm. got, like I say, a locked up refrigerator outside. They unlock it during the day. You can come and, you know, buy things. There's a nail and hair salon running. Hey, all right. Yep. All right. Um, you know, and then. Also out of somebody's house. Of course. Yes. Nice. I went and got my haircut there. And no kidding. It looks good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <sighs> yep. This is the haircut. Okay. It is. Okay. Yep. I couldn't tell. <laughs> and maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe I got it done in Tegus before that. Uh, anyway, Tegucigalpa is the capital, and mm-hmm. it's had to have been six weeks since I've done it. So it's got to, there has to have been a haircut in between. Excuse okay. me. Anyway, um, she did a fine job, and I guess that probably is the sum. So there's a. Did you uh, pay more because you're a gringo? For what? The haircut. I tipped. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not a commonplace thing I in see. Honduras. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Tipping isn't common? No. Wow. It's not no. common in a lot of places in the world, from what I understand. Yeah, tipping is, yeah, wow. it's not common. The expectation is, is you're going to charge what you want to get for whatever I'm, the good and services. I'm a good tipper. Uh, yeah. I, I only do this because, well, uh, I'm from here and I know what it takes to get good service, especially if you're trying to establish yourself as a regular. Mm-hmm. That is to say, you go to a place often enough, you tip well the first yeah. You know, handful of times that you're in there, people remember. Oh, that's the guy that tips big, and he's I feel really the nice. same way. Even even when I'm in a place like Mexico, I want to tip just because I want to be you know treated well the right. next time I come back. Let me tell you my tipping story. I, I'm generally against tipping. I don't like the idea that America's turning into this tipping culture where you tip everybody for mm-hmm. everything all the time. I agree. I think at some point or another, we're going to have to tip the cops for giving us a ticket. Sure, um, but they call that a bribe. <laughs> well, whatever it is. Well, not if they institution. Not after you yeah, make yeah. a check. Not, box not after on you get the ticket, ticket and then you get yeah. the tip. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just then it's just a gratuity for the service of being a police officer. And they'll mm-hmm. just automatically include it on the price of the mm-hmm. ticket, right? Just and like they th- do. Then it becomes a, a right something that's completely normal. We were you and I were in Mexico City. I think I went to get tacos for the two of us. I brought my laptop, which was full. I've of, never been out of the restaurant. The uh, I didn't say Mexico, Mexico City. City. I meant City. to say uh, Acapulco. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I went down to a taco truck that you have been to. Mm-hmm. I don't think you were with me. I left my audio equipment and computer bag there. Yeah. Fortunately, I had handed out you know these ten peso notes or whatever they you know tips. I just handed out yep. some tips um, to different folks, and the guy, you know, he sees that I leave my bag, he rushes it to me. So, you know, yep, it was did. really nice. That's awesome. That. Yeah. yeah. All right. What else do we need to know about this? Do you want to share some sort of blog post? Yeah, I've got a blog post on uh, Morazan. It's by free-cities.org. And they're... Huh. What's that? Free-cities. Okay. Yeah. Free-cities.org. Ciudad Morazan was conceived and designed with one purpose, to provide a better standard of living for blue-collar Hondurans. 
It consists of less than 60 acres just outside the industrial city of Choloma in the northern part of Honduras. Although the special jurisdiction provides many benefits to foreign residents, its primary purpose is always to offer poverty-stricken Honduran people a better alternative than fleeing to the United States as illegal immigrants. Honduras has been known for decades as an area with a weak rule of law, which accounts for its poverty and high crime rate. Choloma, in particular, is known as one of the most dangerous places in the world that is not an actual war zone. Hmm. As explained in our recent article on Zedes, few visionaries saw the severe problems of Honduras as an opportunity to build something unique as a solution. The result was the Organic Law of Zones of Employment, called the ZEDE regime, and its Spanish ac- which is its Spanish acronym. This law created the most advanced legal framework for special jurisdictions worldwide. Now, hearing that f- that that sentence, you'd think only the worst kind of people would undermine these uh, places, right? Mm-hmm. Only the worst kind of people, but. Politicians? Yeah, right. It's exactly what's happened. Um, Literally all of the politicians in Honduras voted to undo the special economic zones. Right. Right. They got rid of the law. 100% of them. Now, I must say, as far as the ZA law goes, I'm glad to see the ZA law go. The ZA law had a provision in it that allowed the Honduran government to work with the ZA to expropriate land from private individuals. Yeah. And I th- yeah, right. <laughs> Expropriate, that Gross. sounds awful. Gross. So I think that needed to be done away with. However, I would have liked a law to be voted in in its place because these ZAs um are be- uh, by that law able to operate for 50 years, 50 years legally. And the Honduran government doesn't want to recognize that. Mm-hmm. And that's why they have a $10 billion, $11 billion lawsuit against them. Who has the suit against who? The, uh, I believe, Prospera, the, another Zede, has on a On the suit, island of Roatan. On the island of Roatan has a suit against the Honduran government who okay. is, I mean, just basically trying to do everything it can to make Zedes go away mm-hmm. now after it created them. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I just want to say that, you know, I called the city today. We have a, a 311 um, city directory. What's 311? Yeah, 311 is like, um, you know how there's like uh, like 100 different numbers that you can't figure out who to call to get what department? So it's a city directory, and I, and I left a message for the city traffic engineer, the head of the uh, police department. And also the nine city councilor, you could leave a message with all the departments. So it's really convenient and it's a really good system. But what I asked was that they do have surveillance cameras at all of the intersections, I was told. So I actually saw the footage of that guy that ran the little chaparilla, that uh, seven-year-old kid at the Christmas time, the River of Lights. They had that on film. It was on the TV news. Mm-hmm. So you so watched my, video of a my, small child being killed by a car? Well, you know what? They cut, they stopped the video right before they hit the kid. Obviously, I see. But okay. you, you see the car about like like uh, one second before they mm-hmm. hit the kid. That's too okay. bad. And it's the, awful. And so, but they, <laughs> no, I mean, so like, I don't want anybody to like really, but like, if you're going to like search that out, you should be able to see it. Like, mm. I don't believe in shielding people. I don't believe in yeah. shielding children from reality. The reality I, is, is that people are going to get killed in car accidents. I tend to agree. I, I think that as a news source, you can decide how you're going to deliver the news. And, you can. You know, that's that's what they. But, I, but I agree with the captain on this one. It reminds me of when we were down in Acapulco and we were talking about the difference between how uh, some Spanish media covers stories like shootings, for instance. Like mm-hmm. yep. they'll show you a picture of, you know, some a body laying on the pavement or whatever, and right. you're not going to see that in American media for the right. most like, part. If you go seeking it out, like as, you know, somebody like Sarah in this instance did, she went to seek out mm-hmm. the footage of this thing happening, you should be able to see the uncensored version. But I'm not even saying seeking it out. I'm talking about on like the front page of a newspaper sure. where you might just see that if you're in a you know grocery store or something like that. 
And it's just a difference in attitude of how they approach the news, the mm-hmm. sort of the more gr- the raw, gritty, this is really what's happening versus we need to tame things down. We don't want to upset anybody uh, yeah. sort of American of the children. Uh, viewpoint. But uh, Sarah, so what about it? What else? So my whole point was uh, the whole point is they need to upgrade and to hire um, quality cameras because uh, the phone <laughs> footage that I see was uh, it you was need more higher resolution point. death footage. Is that <laughs> was that what you're saying? Right, right, right. I mean, uh, uh, it's some 4K of, uh, murder when, when footage. What <laughs> when, when I saw it, no, they didn't. They didn't. They did not show the kid getting hit. It was like a once. One one and a half second before the call, you could see that the mm-hmm. car yeah, was Yeah, you already explained that to us. So the thing is, but it was blurry. So my mm. request was to do, do a high resolution. So you need you want more, more taxpayer dollars to be spent on um, you know upgrading these cameras. Right. That's so they 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 can't find the hit and run drivers. I mean, we're notorious. Albuquerque is a hit and run um, town. So currently, you know the I mean? license plates can't be seen with the level of uh, clarity that the cameras provide. Uh, it did kind of sound kind of hazy. I I I don't know um, about the license plate. We're only required to have one license plate, either the front or the back, and most of them have none. They run around with no license plate. So, you know, the clearer the picture, the better off we'll be. So, especially. You know what this reminds me of, uh, Sarah? There's a really cool story that I've just seen some of the vague details coming out of uh, the UK. What is it, Ian? Where some heroic activists have been going around destroying government cameras. Yes. Yes. And thank you, by the way, uh, Sarah, for the call tonight. I've well, seen I've got to say, headline. I would like to see the people who ran over this kid, um, you know, face whatever justice they're going to face. Yeah, that, I think that happened or something like that. That's yeah, that's another story. But I heard something about this that you're about to talk about, the cameras in, yeah. in England, where like so many of them have been destroyed. Like uh, 300 of them have been vandalized since April. Uh, so for the last few months, there's a group of people, and I don't think this story mentions their name, but they have, as I understand it, they have a, a particular name, uh, these people who are anonymously going around, you know, they're they're covering their faces, right? And they're going up to these cameras and they're doing various different things, I presume, to well, I disable mean, them. The the reasonable thing to do these days when you go outside is to put a mask on. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at Free Talk Live dot com